Good morning to you as we stand together and begin our worship service today. What a wonderful December day it is. Let's sing joy to the world for Jesus has come and let's sing it together. people who are traveling some are sick and some are away but we are here and God has promised where two or three are gathered in his name and desire to worship him he will join with us uh, and we uh, welcome him into our service today all about Jesus and worshiping him this may be a wonderful new chorus Jesus we worship you Thank you. You may be seated. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. So good to be in God's house this morning. Let me welcome you here to Hillcrest. If you're new here, you're our guest. Thank you for joining us either here uh, in present or online. Uh, please excuse my voice. It's starting to go out. Um, so please excuse the, the sound of it. But uh, it's not going to stop me from worshiping today. It's not going to stop me from preaching here today. Um, but thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of our worship service here today. Uh, just a few announcements. As we continue our worship service here today, um, our annual church business meeting is not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, the 15th at 630. So please be here for that. 
Uh, also, on December the 19th, um, that's two weeks from now, our kids and students will be singing here on the stage. Um, so we're actually practicing on Wednesday nights and also during our children's church time. Um, just a couple of, uh, a couple of hy- uh, hymns, uh, Christmas carols, and one very fun song that they're going to be doing there. So I'm very excited for that to happen. Um, so y'all be here on December the 19th. That's the, Chris- the Sunday before Christmas. Also, our candlelight service is coming up on December the 22nd. Um, that's going to be at 6 o'clock. It's going to be a wonderful time for us to come together, uh, to worship God together, to sing, to read scripture, and remember that Jesus came into the world for us. Um, also, our Lottie Moon Christmas offering is something we emphasize every year this time of year. Um, we are having a goal this year of $2,500. I think we can do that. I think we, we can do better than that. Um, but we're going to shoot for that goal. Um, so $2,500 we're collecting from now to the end of this month. Um, so we'd love for you to give to that. It's giving for international missionaries all around the world, sharing the gospel. Um, so please be in mind of that. And today is our second Sunday of Advent. Last week was hope. Our candle was lit for hope to remind us that Jesus is our hope. And today is love. The candle we have lit is the candle for love. And we know that God loves us. Everyone knows John 3:16. For God so loved the world, or God loved the world in this way, that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And we praise God for that today. We praise him for his love. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we come into your house today to worship you, to lift up your name, to praise you for who you are. Lord, we praise you that, Lord, you loved us so much that you sent Jesus, Lord, from your presence to be born in a manger, in a stable, not in a palace which he deserved, but in a feeding trough for animals. God, you, you sent your son, your precious only son, to live, to die, and to rise again. We praise you, God, for that gift today. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace upon us. God, as we enter this Christmas season, it's looking a lot like Christmas, but Lord, Christmas looks like you. We praise you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. At this time, I'll call our ushers forward as we take up our offering. Uh, Again, just a reminder, many different ways we can be faithful to give. You can give here in the house. You can also give online. Uh, We have a website now, uh, hillcrestrafer.com. So you can actually go directly there. There's a give button at the top corner. Um, So you can give online. You can text 84321, uh, any number of amount. You can text that number and give that way as well. Um, Brother Matt, would you pray for us this morning? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for a day to come to your house to celebrate you, for you are worthy of the praise, and that this time, as we're taking these monies up, we realize it is to further your kingdom, and we bless it. We ask your blessing on it, for in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And as we give this morning, you will have...
good to be nearing Christmas. Uh, turn with me to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 will be our text today. And I'm beginning a new series, His Name Will Be. Looking at the four names given to Jesus in this verse, Isaiah 9, verse 6. Um, before I start there, let me just say, you may not realize this or not. You may not realize this. You may do. You may realize this. You are a counselor. You give counsel and receive counsel from everyone that you meet, your family, your friends, your coworkers, everyone in your life that you have relationships with. You are giving and receiving counsel at all times by what you say, by how you live your life as, as an example to those around you. And whether good, bad, or indifferent, we are counselors to those around us. Let me propose to you, though, our counsel should come from the wonderful counselor. And we see that as the first name mentioned here in Isaiah 9, verse 6. Turn with me there and stand with me as we read from God's Word today. We'll be in Isaiah 9, 6, and we'll also be in Matthew chapter 2. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal or Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for your presence in this place today. Thank you for allowing us to gather here. Thank you for those who are listening, those who are watching. I pray, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would anoint me afresh to do what you have called me to do, what I cannot do on my own, to preach your word rightly, boldly, clearly, as it ought to be preached. Like, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move upon the hearts of the hearers, that we would not just be hearers only, but that we would be doers of the word. Help us, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Not all counsel is good counsel. There's a very good definition for biblical counseling that comes from John Piper. You may have heard of him, uh, pastor of Bethlehem Baptist Church, really big church, author of several, several books. Um, he's an older fellow, but he preaches just in incredible, incredible ways. He has this really clear definition of biblical counseling. That is counseling from a biblical perspective. He says this, biblical counseling is God-centered, Bible-saturated, emotionally in-touch use of language to help people become God-besotted, Christ-exalting, joyfully self-forgetting lovers of people. That's a long definition. Let me read it one more time. He says, biblical counseling is God-centered, Bible-saturated, I love that, emotionally in-touch use of language that touches the heart, to help people become God-besotted, Christ-exalting, joyfully self-forgetting lovers of people. That's what God has called us to do as believers in Christ, to counsel one another in this way. Isaiah uh, was a prophet about 700 years before Jesus was ever born. And he lived in a tumultuous time, saw the reign and death of kings, and uh, had, had 
been through so many different tumultuous times in his life. And scholars mention Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, as being one of the most powerful prophetic books and almost the fifth gospel, so to speak. You've got the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament. But because Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, is so pregnant with messianic prophecy and expectation. Some have called it the fifth gospel because it speaks of Jesus so clearly and in so many ways. And so here in this passage in Isaiah 9 verse 6, uh, he's speaking of a child who is to be born of a virgin and to come into the world, uh, a son given into the world who is going to bring peace, would also be God. He says the mighty God. And also our wonderful counselor. And so as we look at this first name, that Jesus is our wonderful counselor, I want you to think about three things this morning. Number one, to hear the counsel of the wise. To hear the counsel of the wise. Um, Back in verse 6 here, it says, His name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Not all counselors are wonderful, but he is. And all wisdom comes from God. That word counsel used here in the Old Testament is the word ya'atz, which is pretty easy to remember because it basically means when someone's telling you what ya'atz to do. So this, is, this uh, Hebrew word means to give advice, to give guidance, to give counsel. It's first used in Exodus 18, when Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses, is given, uh, giving counsel, wise counsel to Moses, because Moses is burned out. Moses was this great man of God who was doing so many things and leading thousands of people out of Egypt uh, and wandering in the wilderness looking for the promised land. And so he is completely spent by leading these people alone. And Jethro, his father-in-law, comes to him and says, let me give you some wise counsel. This is, this is not good. <laughs> That's his first words. This is not good for you. Um, you are going to have to have people under you to lead and serve. Some over ten, some over hundreds, and some over thousands. Just gives you the range of how many people that Moses had underneath him. And so this was the first use of that word, ya'atz, that use of, of counsel. And so wisdom, or good counsel, comes from God, and we get it from other places as well. Um, And we need to have counsel in our lives. Proverbs 11, verse 14 says this, where there is no guidance or no counsel, the people fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. And so no man is an island unto himself. We are all called to live in community. That's why we have the church That's why we have families, because we are called to live in community with one another. And so wisdom wisdom comes from God, and all all true wisdom, good wisdom, comes from God. But we also can get that. God can use people around us to give us that counsel. I'm reminded of Jesus when he was 12. In Luke chapter 2, we get a glimpse of the boyhood of Jesus. Just one one short uh, snippet or snapshot there. And we see Jesus around the time of the Passover. He's, he's left there, and his parents have gone, uh, and, and they, they thought he was with them in the caravan, and yet he was not, and they looked for three days to try to find where Jesus is. He's 12 years old. You know, mom and dad are just, you know, beside themselves looking for Jesus. And they find him in the temple. And he is, if you read that text, he is 
not only asking them questions, but listening and giving them answers because, of course, he's the wonderful counselor. But even Jesus, while he was on this earth, took counsel from others. Now, it didn't mean that it was all true. There was some wicked counsel as well, and we'll get into that. But Jesus himself, if Jesus can listen and hear wise counsel, then so should we. We also know that after that, he, uh, he was chastised by his parents. We'll just say that. He was disciplined for, for not being with them. Of course, he said, I had to be about my father's business. He wasn't talking about Joseph. Um, but wise counsel comes from God, and we need to hear wise counsel. Hear the counsel of the wise. Um, turn with me. Keep your, keep your finger in Isaiah 9-6. But turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. We're also going to be looking at those 12 verses there in that, that chapter 12 of Matthew. Um, verses 1 and 2 say this. And this is around the time Jesus was two years old. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, magi, or wise men, from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? So wisdom comes from God, okay? And the wise seek wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. And if we're wise, what will we do? We will seek after wisdom. These magi here uh, mentioned as wise men, we're not told how many there were. Um, it's always cute on the Christmas cards to have the three wise men and whatnot. We kind of attribute that to the three gifts that they give to Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We're told that it's plural. It's not magus, which is singular. It's magi. But we don't know how many there were. There was more than one. We know that much. Um, but these wise men were not Jews. They were not Israelites. They weren't even Jews in the religious sense, really. These were pagan kings who were astrologers and astronomers. If you don't know the difference between those two, astrology is fiction. It's basically like your Libra, your Virgo, and all those signs, constellations, and things like that that really have no basis in truth. But astronomers, not astrologers, astronomers look up in the sky, see those constellations, and use those for navigation and see the changing of the seasons, and, and so on, and see the beauty of God's creation, because we know that God has revealed himself in creation. That's a general revelation, but God has also revealed himself, not in just the world, but in his word, which is special revelation to us, which is how we have salvation, not through creation, but through God's word. And so these wise men had read the Old Testament scriptures, and they saw a new star in the sky. And so it says here in verse 2 that they were inquiring, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Can I tell you, there are people among us that are looking for truth. They're searching for God, but they don't even know it because they're searching for meaning and purpose in their life because God's made us to worship. He's created us for that. And so these wise men... They're inquiring. They're asking questions. And it's so good to ask questions. He says, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Verse 2, for we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. So they, even these pagan 
idolatrous magi have enough sense to see something is going on here. God himself is going to be manifested here. And so they being wise men, and this, this, this also answers the question, it's kind of a commercial break here. Why, why are non-believers quote-unquote good people sometimes? Why are, why are non-believers, in fact, sometimes nicer than Christians? Can I get a witness? Why is that, that people who are unsaved can somehow be more hospitable, more gracious, sometimes more loving than those who call themselves believers? It's simply this, common grace. Common grace. What does that mean? The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. That is to say, God has gifted all of us with a sense of morality and conviction, although it's fallen and broken and we need the Holy Spirit. God has given all of us a sense of what is right, what is wrong, what is sensible to do, and has also given us this, this proclivity for righteous living, wise living. Now, what that is is defined by Scripture, not by our feelings. But these wise men, they saw after wisdom and they saw after this one whom was foretold by the prophets. And so... This is common grace here, which was given to these magi who are pagans. And so we, as believers, and if you're listening and not a believer, all of us should hear counsel from the wise. We need to take in wise counsel from those around us. All truth is God's truth, and it all points to him. So number one, hear counsel, the counsel of the wise. Number two, we are called to hate the counsel of the wicked. As I mentioned earlier, not all counsel is good counsel. Anybody ever given you bad advice and you found out afterward because you did what they said? Yeah. Happens to all of us, right? So there's wicked counsel out there. We get it from everywhere. We get it from all, all over the place. I, I, Lifeway did this really good research a few years ago. They surveyed a sample size of 2,000 parents of grown children, and uh, they took into account what, what did they do or what did they not do that led to spiritual formation in their child's life. Basically, long story short, what did they do if their children who are adults now are still in church, are faithful followers of Jesus? What did they do differently that allowed them to do that? Or what, was there any factors involved that helped them to have that spiritual formation in their lives? And uh, one of the first one of the first little data points there that they have is, where do you get your parenting style? Where, where do you get your uh, mode of parenting? And the top one, and these are, these are 2,000 believers, okay? It's supposed to be 2,000 Christians. The top thing that people said that they attribute to how, where they get their parenting from was not the Bible. That was really low on the list. It was not the church or anything they learned from the church or religious leaders or Sunday school teachers or anything like that, the number one, about 91%, said it was their own experience growing up that influenced the way that they handle their children. And so, listen, there's things that our parents did right, and we're thankful for that. There's also ways in which our parents didn't do right because we're all fallen, sinful human beings. 
I need grace. I, I ask my kids to forgive me half the time because I, I, I fall short. And so there's, there's good counsel. There's also bad counsel. Matthew chapter 2, verse 3. It says, when Herod, the king, heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Now, I found that very fascinating. King Herod, you may be familiar, was a terrible king who had a habit of killing people he didn't like. In fact, he went so far as, if you continue reading this chapter, killing every boy two years of age or younger just to try to silence, destroy this Messiah who was supposed to come, king of the Jews, because Herod at this point is king of the Jews, not self-appointed, but Roman-appointed because Israel is under Roman rule at this time. And so King Herod had a reputation as someone who would show how his power was and show uh, if, if you were against that, he would make an example of you. And so he hears of this child going to be born, this baby who is coming, who's supposed to be the king of the Jews. Unbeknownst to the Magi, that is a threat to Herod's power. And so the wicked despise wisdom. The wicked despise wisdom. Herod was troubled when he heard this news. Not the reaction that one should have in hearing that the Messiah is coming. It should be a message of hope, a message of restoration, a message of God's plan is at work. But for the wicked, it's something to be troubled about. Oh, oh, the Savior's coming. And, and what fascinates me is not only is Herod mentioned as being troubled by this news, guess who else is? Look, and all Jerusalem with him. Last time I checked, Jerusalem's the holy city where the temple is. That's where all the Jews are. That's where all the people of God are. That's where all the scribes and the Pharisees and Sadducees are. But yet, they don't want to hear it. Or they want to hear it, but they, they're not going to go to worship like the wise men are. They have a different idea. And so not all counsel is wise counsel. If you've ever read the first psalm, it opens like this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. There's a casting crown song that is based off of that passage that says it's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade to drift. And we are all prone to wander, prone to drift away from God's wisdom, from godly counsel. And that's why it is so important that we surround ourselves with people who are godly, with people who are biblical, with people who will love us enough to correct us when we're wrong and comfort us when we're doing what God has called us to do. But the wicked despise wisdom. Their reaction is not, oh, I need to follow. Their reaction is, oh, I need to flee. So Herod the king is troubled at this news. All Jerusalem along with him. Verse 4. Gathering together all the, listen, the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And so the wicked despise wisdom, but the wicked also distort wisdom. You ever heard this? A half truth is a whole lie. You take a little bit of truth and twist it, it turns into a lie. And so... 
as we see, and you guys have read this story, you know this story, Herod, the king, had no intentions of worshiping Jesus. But he did want to find him. He did want to kill him or try to stop God's plan. And so the wicked distort wisdom. They despise wisdom. Let us not be like that. So we hear the counsel of the wise. We hate the counsel of the wicked, and we have discernment to know the difference. And finally, we are called to heed the counsel of the wonderful counselor. To heed the counsel of the wonderful counselor. Look with me finally in verses 5 through 12 here. Verse 5 and 6, let me read those. It says, They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, yeah they, they were asking, Where is the Messiah going to be born? In verse 5, it's the Magi saying, They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For this is what has been written by the prophet. And he quotes Micah 5, 2 here. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Fascinating that these pagan rulers are quoting the Old Testament. They're quoting scripture. The, the things that apparently the scribes and the Pharisees and the king had all either forgotten or had all not taken seriously the fact that God had prophesied that this would happen. And you come to, they come to the Magi, these rabbis, these leaders. They go to the pagans and ask, well, where is he going to be? And their answer is, look in your own book. It's right there. He was promised. He's going to be in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, the house of bread, where the bread of life is going to come from. Bethlehem, it's, it's right there. <laughs> Bethlehem, you're not least in the leaders of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. So how do we heed the counsel of the wonderful counselor? Number one, his word. His word. Can I get amen? His word. <laughs> the wise men did what? They read the word, and they knew it, and they what? They took it seriously. I'm afraid there's too many Christians that maybe know about the word. They've heard the word. They've listened to the word, but they've never heeded the word. They're not following the word. They're not taking it seriously. In their relationships, in the way they followed Christ, or where they don't follow him, they're not taking seriously his word. The wise men did. They said, this is, this is what God has said, and he's going to be here. So we heed the counsel of the wonderful counselor by listening to, we see his word. Number two, we see his wisdom. Verses seven and eight, we see Herod plotting here. Verse seven, then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. Spoiler alert here. <laughs> they don't come back to Herod. God gives a dream to the wise men and says, Don't go back to that guy. Listen, Jesus said to his disciples, I send you out as sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as cunning as serpents and harmless as doves. God has called us to be 
wise. Let me just say it boldly. He's not called us to be stupid in how we interact with people. We understand there's a sinful world out here. We have to be discerning in who we help because of the wickedness of the world. Some people are insincere in what they say. They say they follow Jesus, but they don't. They say they know the word, but they don't. They say they have believed, but they don't. And so we see his word and we see his wisdom. Is there any fruit in the life of that person? They heard the king, but they had discernment. God gave that discernment. They didn't have it of their own, but God gave it to them. So we heed the counsel of the wonderful counselor by listening to his word, by heeding his wisdom, and then finally living his way or going his way, verses 9 through 12. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. So they finally found the place. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. They ultimately followed Jesus. They followed his way. Are you? Are we? Are we following him? Are we seeking him? Are we worshiping him? Are we giving to him? Look what they did. It says, then after they fell in worship, they opened their treasures. They presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. I don't know which direction the Magi were going before they found the star. But it was the wrong one. Because they were pagan, idolaters. They didn't know the one true God. They saw his beauty and creation. But to them it was the unknown God. But when they read the Bible, when they saw the prophecy, and when they saw the Messiah, their reaction was to drop everything and Bow before him. These are kings. People bow before them. Not so. Before Jesus. That's why we call him the king of kings. Lord of lords. And he is the wonderful counselor. Let me say this. It sounds cliche, but listen. Sometimes the cliche stuff is the good stuff. Wise men still seek him. And we need Jesus, let me speak for myself, I need Jesus just as much today as I did when I was nine years old and I first trusted him. I need Jesus every day of my life. I need his grace. I need his mercy. I need his word. I need his wisdom. The Bible says, ask God for wisdom. He will give it to you freely. His word, his wisdom, and his way. They followed Jesus and God speaks to them and says, don't go that way, go another way. The world is going to tell you, go this way. But we're going to go another way. The world is going to celebrate things that we're not going to celebrate. We're going to go another way. 
the world is going to teach things that we're not going to teach here because we're going to go another way. And God is calling us to swim against the stream. Even dead fish swim with the stream. <laughs> but we're alive. We're not dead anymore. And so we're going we're, we're, we're to go against the grain. We're going to be countercultural when the culture is against what God has taught. And so we're going to go another way. Maybe God's calling us to go another way, not the way of the world. He's calling us to go the way of Jesus. Jesus said this, and he quotes Deuteronomy, after he is tempted in the wilderness for 40 days, fasts, and then at the end of that time, Satan comes to him and tempts him. And he says, turn these stones into bread. You know you can do it. How does Jesus answer? Those three times he's tempted, he answers every time. It is written, it is written, it is written. And his answer to the first temptation is a quotation of Deuteronomy 8.3. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Can't heed wise counsel. We don't hear wise counsel. And we've got to discern, is that wicked counsel? Is it wise counsel? How do we know the difference? Because we know the wonderful counselor. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I praise you for the privilege to be in your house today. And God, we thank you for this first name given to Jesus. And Isaiah 9, 6 tells us, Jesus, you're our wonderful counselor. And God, if we're honest, <laughs> we all need some counseling. Because there's times we don't know the right way. We need others to lift us up when we're low, and maybe to bring us down when we get a little too big for our britches, so to speak. And so God, we thank you for your wisdom. You've given it straight to us in your word. We don't have to wonder we don't have to search anywhere else. We've got it right here. The wise men sought after you because they read your word and it led them to Jesus. And they worshiped him. They bowed down before him. The scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they were so religious, but they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. God, let us be those people. Let us be like those magi who repented of their sins and fell before the face of Jesus. Lord, that he is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Not us. It's not about our kingdom. It's not about our life. It's about making Jesus famous in Rayford and Hope County and among the nations, God. And so, God, I just pray in this time of invitation, if there's anyone here who does not know Jesus as their Savior, that they would come bow before him today. Lord, if you're listening, uh, Lord, Lord if, if there's anyone listening or here that they would trust in you today, repent of their sins, and believe in Jesus Christ as Lord. If there's anyone here who is a believer, Lord, help us to heed your counsel. Lord, you've given us so clearly so many things in your word. The world confuses us, but your word convicts us. We praise you for it. Thank you for being clear. Thank you for showing us the way. Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Invitational hymn without him.
you know, it's not a pretty thing for me to think about where I would be without Jesus. I have an idea. But I'm so glad to know him. I'm so glad he changed my heart when I was nine years old. I still haven't got over it. I never will. And may we all be like that, continually seeking counsel from the Lord because we need it today, tomorrow, and forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you again for your presence. Thank you for allowing us to praise you. And we thank you for wisdom, which comes directly from you. Lord, your word tells us that we were like sheep without a shepherd, each one going his own way. Even the kings of the Old Testament, they did what was right in their own sight, and we're just the same. But Lord, you've shown us the way. You've given us the way so that we can be people of the way following Jesus. We praise you that he is the reason for the season. Let us not forget that. And Lord, as we reflect upon that and read about that, Lord, let us share that with others. Let's not keep it to ourselves, God. But let's go, and like those shepherds would do, go tell everyone that we can find. The Messiah is here. Jesus has come. Salvation is here. We praise you, God, that you are a wonderful counselor. We can come to you with everything that we have. You know it already. But we can lay it all at your feet, and God, you give us wisdom freely. We praise you for that. Let us heed it, not just hear it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said...